Here's the deal is brought to you by VEBS, Veteran Essential Business Services. We are your business air support. We have your six. You served your country faithfully. Now it's time to blaze your own path. Here's the deal is a show for veterans by veterans to discuss real world issues on how to start and run your own business. It's a cross between Dave Ramsey, Maria Bartiromo, and Joe Rogan. This is not academia, it's the truth. Here's the deal. Here's the deal is proud to present our very first sponsor. It's B&G Chicago Catering. If you're in the mood for fresh, authentic Chicago style favorites, check out B&G Chicago Catering. Founded by two Marine vets, and no, there's no crayon flavor involved here. B&G Chicago Catering is professional mobile food cart service, well-suited for large crowds and intimate gatherings. Currently serving the Metro Phoenix and Metro Tucson areas. B&G Chicago Catering will drive up to your next event, business storefront, or private party. Chicago classics like Chicago dogs, my personal favorite is the Italian beef, bratwurst, Polish sausage, they got tamales and more. All their food is made to order hot and fresh using only Vienna products. B&G Chicago Catering comes fully equipped and takes care of all the cleanup. So if you're looking for a way to give back to your employees and all the efforts they've been putting forth this year, you need a last-minute option for a small, intimate birthday party, you need to spotlight your storefront reopening, which hopefully they all get there soon, check out B&G Chicago Catering. You can find them at www.bgchicagocatering.com. You can follow them on Instagram at, at bgchicagocatering520. Give them a call at 520 520- Two six two seven five nine six. Hey everybody, how's it going? This is your host Chris Flowers. Here's the deal. I'm proud to announce the partnership between uh, the City of Surprise and the AZ Tech Accelerator, which is where the show is uh, now coming to you from. Uh, City Surprise, known them for years. Julie Neal, the whole economic development team, the mayor. Uh, they're great for small business. They really go all out. They actually repurposed their old city hall. They could have sold the property, they could have you know, leased it out, whatever. But what they did is they repurposed it as an innovation hub for small businesses here in the city of Surprise. They do technology innovation, uh, collaborative co-workspace. So you have a, that shared workspace that a lot of people like to use now rather than uh, leasing you know, an expensive uh, office space. They also even have a small business resource counseling where I'm a speaker on uh, business lending here quite a bit. And also have free education webinars. So, if you're a small business and you're located near the city, surprise, maybe you're you know you're working from home, kind of outgrowing your space. You want to be around some you know maybe some other people to you know be get innovative and collaborative, things like that. Uh, come check out Della's AZ Tech Accelerator. Come talk to uh, Julie Neal. Uh, she's the uh, she's the host here. She <laughs> she takes care of it. She's this is her baby. So uh, come talk to Julie. And you'll find that working with the City Surprise is a uh, great resource for you and your business. Hey, everybody. How you doing? My name is Chris Flowers. I am the host of Here's the Deal. And I have Sierra Wolf with me. And she is the host of Business Salesmanship, the art of selling your business. Perfect. Now, we're going to do this a little different, okay? This is going to be, like I said, this is going to be a different show because what's going to happen is Sierra's going to interview me for her podcast, and I'm going to interview her 
for here's the deal. So it's gonna you're gonna hear questions going back and forth. So it's gonna be a little different. So either it's gonna be you know off the rails or it's gonna be off the chain. <laughs> we just don't know which one we're gonna get yet. But we're gonna have fun doing it no matter what. Now that's right, uh, Sierra. Let me set some ground rules here. I don't know what your podcast is like. So if I need to like be all PG and whatnot, I'll try to control my language as best I can. But on my show, being that it's a veteran podcast, I rate it V for veteran language. Gets a little salty sometimes. You tell me, you tell me what the ground rules are. I can clean it up as, as much as you want, or we could just do our thing. Just what your call, your, your, your show. I don't want to offend your listeners. You can't offend mine. So go ahead. Tell me, tell me the rules. No, that sounds great. You speak however you choose to speak. Um, I'm sure my listeners will greatly appreciate uh, the, the difference in my uh, my my guests on. So I think that's wonderful. Okay, well you just you just fucked up. Okay, just just want to let you know. okay. <laughs> Sorry, all my listeners, I apologize. <laughs> okay, I'm just messing around. I'll keep it clean, sort of. Um, so. <laughs> Okay, so I, you know, I, I was, I will, of course, be a gentleman and let ladies go first, and I will let you start your show, and your, you, know, you can ask me some questions, and we'll, go, we'll, and we'll just go kind of back and forth from there. So, Sierra, the mic is yours. Go for it. Well, thank you. Um, all of my listeners, Chris is a lender, which I love having lenders on the podcast because it is the most critical piece in purchasing a business. If you don't have funding in place, you're not going to be able to purchase something. So usually, Chris, I have my guests talk a little bit about themselves, and I'm not sure if you want to take it over and talk about yourself. Sure, that's not a problem at all. So yes, I am Chris Flowers. I am an SBA lender. Uh, I have been in this business for 25 years. Okay, I've worked with business owners of all types. Uh, from you know complicated you know medical practices all the way down to mom and pop shops, retail stores, barber shops, you name it. Uh, so I've been doing this doing this a long time. Seen a lot of deals, done a lot of deals, and what I want to um, express out there uh, to all the listeners, you know, my listeners included, because what I do on my show is that I'm trying to inspire veterans to you know pursue their own passions and start their own business, but I'm also trying to give them the, the correct tools and the steps to do it properly. So uh, as Sierra was saying, finance is the key component, of course, to everything. You got to have passion, you got to have drive, but without the dollar bills, you know, stuff don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? So the one thing that is crucial when you're going to start a business, first and foremost, and I, I, I ran this on my first show, or I think it was the second show. You cannot go Cortez. Okay, do not burn the ships. Okay, don't don't have this. We're not. It, it, you know, passion and drive, of course, are everything. You got to have passion. You got to have drive because you're going to have to really grit your teeth and grind this out. Okay, but don't go Cortez burning the ships. Meaning, quit your job, cash in your 401k, spend all your savings, max out your credit cards, take out a home equity against your house, and then come to me and ask me for a loan. Because by then. Shit, that ship sailed. Okay, it's it's over. So it's going to be impossible for me to get you money. Okay, so um, what I want you to do is, like I said, because like I said there there's different ways we do. And you know, I I believe in the Dave Ramsey uh, philosophy of uh, the only ship that doesn't float is a partnership. So like I said, you know, getting, getting into partnerships. If you get into a partnership, you got to have an ironclad operating agreement you are going to do this job you're going to do this job and if anybody falls short then they're accountable if you go into it with a handshake you're screwing yourself 
So I don't care if it's your best friend, your sister, your brother. You better have an ironclad operating agreement. Who's going to do what and when? Because if you don't, one person's going to do all the work. The other one's going to be at the golf course. And they're going to expect equal pay. And that just that don't fly. But you're going to say you're going to do it on your own. There's several different ways we can do it. We can put it in stages. Okay, we can get you. We can get the. We can get it prepped up and ready to go. And we're gonna. I try to do it for the minimal amount of money that you can put in, but enough to let the banks know. Okay, hey, we're serious about this. Okay, so we're gonna have to require, you know, maybe between ten to twenty percent. You know, uh, you know, cash injection depending on what type of uh, business that you're running. Some some are more risky than others, so they're going to want a little more skin in the game. There's no 100% financing, okay? There just isn't any. This is not like buying a house. So don't expect you're going to get 100% financing because it, it doesn't work that way. And something to say to that, you know, you mentioned partnerships. And I sell businesses that have partners, and it is significantly more challenging than selling any other business. And it's because you're trying to take care of many people and all of them have their own goals. Yes. So one might want retirement, one may want to continue working, and then you have this division. And then those partners each have their own accountant typically, or sometimes they'll have the company accountant or CPA, and then their personal ones, and then they have the same attorney. And so how is everybody getting the fair trade? Because you have the same counsel. So how is your counsel advising you correctly? And I represent both of them because I'm selling the entire business. And so mm -hmm. partnerships are great, right? We, we love partnerships. However, you are opening up a whole other can of worms. It's going to be a lifelong partnership. Yep. It's not, it's almost worse than a marriage because almost. with a marriage, they've made it so easy. Now you get a divorce, right? You split <laughs> your assets, you get a divorce. With a business, whoa, good luck to you. Um, it's much more challenging you have to buy people out, and nobody's ever happy. There's just nobody ever happy in a partnership. So. Yep, that's like I said. That's what the only ship that don't float to partnership. That's what Dave Ramsey says, and I believe in it. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult. It is. You know, I feel like people just want to do things as a pair or you know a, a trio, and it just. Is. I have. I'm working on a, a deal right now where. One partner owns 80%, mm -hmm. the other partner owns 20, and the partner that owns 20 isn't doing anything, mm -hmm. but they're getting a paycheck. And so it's like mm -hmm. the 80% partner wants to buy them out. Um, but if I was that 20% partner, I wouldn't let them. Uh, gosh, I'm getting a nice paycheck and I'm not doing anything for it. Why would right? I want you to buy Why would out? I want to go start? Yeah, why would I mm -hmm. actually have to go back to working for a living? You know, so. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'll just stay with my 20, you know, and so that's the challenging things with partnerships is truly it's, it's almost worse than a marriage. Yeah, so kind of like I said, so it, I guess it, since we, we brought marriage into this, you can consider your operating agreement and your LLC or your corporation paperwork like your prenup. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I think of it's, it as a prenup. <laughs> it's, it's a rough prenup. It's rough. Partnerships and business are just, they can be so difficult. And um, I have a, a partnership where one of them, their health has just declined. Mm -hmm. And now they're not going to get anything. Um, wow. No one's really there to vouch for them. And wow. so because the council is, is picking sides. And so it's just difficult. Partnerships are difficult. If you do partnerships, the only thing I can advise is have your own attorneys and have your own accountants. Mm -hmm. 
um, and then obviously have one for the business. Mm -hmm. Like, so keep everything separate. You know, trust everybody, love everybody. That's great, but have your own counsel and make sure that counsels understand each other, right? Because attorneys can blow anything apart for you. That's so right. if your attorney doesn't like your partner's attorney, good luck. You're never going to get anything through ever because attorneys have so much leverage. Mm -hmm. um, nobody will ever be happy and the attorneys are just going to be pissed off at each other. So have your attorney be on good terms with your partner's attorney. That's something else to, to mention. Now that we've absolutely terrified everybody from starting a business with a partner, <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and tell us how uh, how you started out? Did you start out as a business broker? Or did you start out in commercial real estate? Because uh, Sierra is a, a little bit different. She's going to introduce herself. She's a dual threat, so she does commercial. Not only does she does business brokering, but she also does commercial real estate, which is pretty unique. I have not run into that combination as of yet. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, Sierra tell us a little bit about yourself, and then tell us how you got started. Did you start out in brokering, or did you start out in real estate, and then how how you came to do how you came to do the two? Yeah. So uh, when I was eighteen, I started my own business. And I've always kind of known that I have a heart for business. I'm 100% an entrepreneur. You know, there's three different types of people, the artist, the manager, and the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I am an entrepreneur. I do not have any artist or manager really in me. Amen to that. And yeah. I'm, I'm the same yeah. way. I'm the same way. That's what I'm saying. It's important. I like it. I mean, we need the artists and the managers, but um, I like to start things and just kind of keep going. And so I started a business at 18. Um, I started running another business at 19. And then I got my real estate license, residential real estate license when I was 21. And just was really kind of unsure what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was really happy in business. And so I knew I wanted to stay in business. So um, I started running a veterinary hospital when I was 22. Started running a veterinary hospital when I was 22. I still had my real estate license. I did a couple deals. Um, and... I was just going to flip the hospital and move on and do something else, and that's exactly what I did. So I got the hospital on its feet, and then I jumped into commercial real estate. Um, I'm not even really sure how it happened. It just worked out, and then I fell into being a business broker, and it was like the best of both worlds, right? I can still utilize my real estate license and my commercial real estate knowledge and get the thrill of business because now I'm in many businesses every single day. I can see what businesses are doing right and what businesses are doing wrong. And it is truly the most thrilling job. Every day is a new day. It hits my entrepreneurial heart all day long. And um, so I'm absolutely over the moon to be doing what I do. That's uh, that's pretty impressive uh, track record there. Because I think by, you know, from 18 to about maybe 25, you can describe I was in the military, and uh, I just got two words to describe it: be drunk and disorderly. So, um, <laughs> nowhere near as ambitious as, as you were, by sure, by by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, <laughs> that being said, uh, so how, how do you feel that being a dual threat that you are? How do you feel that it, it helps you uh, with your clients? It. I was not expecting the upside that I have. So. The difficult thing with my industry, with being a business broker, is it's male-dominated, very much male-dominated industry, which is great. 
Um, and it's a much older generation. You don't see very many young brokers, and I'm not sure why. I've never been able to figure that out. Um, so every single day, I probably get told at least twice how young and alive I am and how I answer my phone calls. So apparently some business brokers don't answer their phone calls. Not sure why on that either. Uh, so it's, you know, being in the industry has, it's exciting. It's, it's exciting. And I have the upside, I think, one, from being a female and um, being younger. People are with it for whatever reason. I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to be a bit more challenging being a female in this industry and being younger. Now, there's business brokers who have decades of experience on me, and I fully respect them. Um, but I'm with the marketing you know, I understand where we are with social media now, and I have an enormous presence on social media, and that's how I'm selling my businesses. And so I think just staying with times and staying in front of the times instead of behind the times is what I try to do, and I think that's what gives me my advantage. Yeah, I would agree because like I say a lot of, you know, people that are usually, you know, more, how you say well, 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 consider me more seasoned, if you will. Uh, people like myself that are a little more seasoned, we tend to be a little set in our ways, and we kind of, you know, kind of do the same thing over and over and over again. Where I learned a long time ago, you got to be innovative. You got to be, you know, I'm not saying I'm as nearly as cutting edge as you are, because you're way on top of this, way more than I am. But at the same time, I know that, you know payphones went away i know blockbuster, <laughs> blockbuster went away i know you, you see what i'm saying so you can't just do the same thing over and over and over you got to you know you got to you know find new ways and be innovative and things like that and that's the thing i think that you take advantage of uh which keeps you relevant but i also think that makes you uh um how you say attracted to the, the customers who are like hey she's gonna do She's doing it different. She's doing this. I mean, yeah, the, the tried and true way, of course, you have it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay, I get that to, to a certain extent. I, I, I do that to a certain extent. But at the same time, you got to break a couple eggs to make an omelet. But now omelet's going to taste pretty damn good. So be innovative. Go out there, you know, and, you know, you got you to gotta be able to push it. You got to be able to, you know, adapt and overcome is what we like to say in the military. So I think, yeah. I think that does that. I think that adds a lot of value just by itself. Well, in something, this is one of my favorite stories. So before, when Blockbuster was huge, um, Netflix went to them and asked if they would buy them, if Blockbuster would buy Netflix for just a couple million dollars, and Netflix was got laughed at. Uh, they were like, absolutely not. Blockbuster would never go away. Why do we need to innovate? And just a few years later, uh, Netflix is worth multi-billions mm -hmm. of dollars, mm -hmm. and Blockbuster is gone. Um, and so I think about it every day because I'm constantly trying to innovate exactly what you said. And so sellers and buyers are coming from all different angles. And if I'm not innovating and staying in front of them, I'm going to be like blockbuster. And I think, unfortunately, that's what happened with the industry, yep. with the business brokers industry. 80% um, of companies close instead of sell. And I don't know if it's because they're not educated and that they can sell, Um 80% of companies just decide to close their doors and I'll never figure that out. And I think it's just because of the way the business broker industry has kind of turned and, mm -hmm. you know, it's not innovative. It, it just, that's what we do. And so I'm just trying to stay ahead of the times. So. Can I, 
if you don't mind, I'm going to attack this from the financial side, if that's okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe, please. Maybe, maybe be relevant for your listeners. Uh, what Sierra's talking about is 100% correct, of course. Um, businesses, I don't think, set themselves up for the long term. They don't. I when I'm talking to a client, even if it's just a startup business just now, I'm already talking exit strategy. I'm not I'm not saying, hey, we're going to start this business. You know, I'm I'm more of a phase person. Like, OK, hey, OK, this is what we're doing today. But we got to start. You know, I, I play chess. OK, so I'm always thinking three moves ahead. OK, so I try to have my clients do the exact same thing. We got to start thinking exit strategy day one. Okay, because you're not going to do this forever. You're not going to want to do this forever. And you got to have a strategy involved, whether it's you're going to pass it on to your kids and have a legacy or you're going to set this up for a sale. Now, that being said, going back to uh, what you were talking about before about hey, you know, having your, your partners uh, be CPAs, you know, in, in your in your business, it's critical in your attorneys. I, I covered that one of my early shows too. That you gotta you gotta use your your banker, your CPA, and your attorney have to be your best friends in business because they all we all gotta be on the same page at all times. <laughs> Ultimately, it's your baby. You make the call. They work for you, but you don't go making decisions without bouncing off three, all three, because all three of those industries—your banker, your CPA, and your attorney—are gonna have an effect on your business. When somebody go is looking to sell a business, okay from the banker side of the uh, side of the coin two things are going to happen either when you when you started out you decided to get paid now or you wanted to get paid later when you write off everything including your shoelaces just because your cpa says so because you don't want to pay taxes and you don't want to pay the man which nobody wants to pay the man i would abolish the irs tomorrow if i could but i can't so therefore you have to think long-term exit strategy do i want to set this business up to where I get a big pot of gold at the end when I go to sell it, okay? Or do I want to take my money now because I don't want to pay the man, okay? So you gotta you gotta think that from day one, because your CPAs their job is to find you every loophole and write off you can, so you don't pay as much to the IRS. That is their goal. That's their job. But if you're writing off everything, including your shoelaces, okay, then you want to come to me for a business loan later on. You want to come to me to buy a building, but your company doesn't cash flow because you wrote everything off. Cash flow is king, and especially when you want to go to sell the business later on, and Sierra can attest to this, the first thing you're going to do is look at your books. They're going to look at your – not your P&Ls, not your balance sheets. They're looking at the tax returns, okay? <laughs> so they want to see what the tax returns are. So that's where – it's important to have that mindset of an exit strategy day one day one you got to think at the end because you're going to say okay i'm either going to set this up my kids are going to take this thing over or like sit down the road the kids say hey you know i'm going into something else okay now i got to start thinking okay i'm going to sell this business so i'm going to have to start retaining some earnings i got to make this company actually have some value to it so that way i can sell it for the big chunk of change and you know go uh deep sea fishing later on um yes exactly i don't know why um I am trying so hard to educate in this subject because I am valuing businesses off of the tax returns. I'm not valuing it off of your software report where you're making hundreds of thousands of more dollars. That's great, your CPA is on your side, but uh, yeah, we need to be able to sell your business and if you have no cash flow or if you're not paying yourself, that's another thing that is a huge 
concern for buyers is if you're not paying yourself and your cash flow is zero. I, I, I have negative cash flows. But then I'm like, well, how much are you really making? And they're like, oh, we're really happy, actually. We're making a lot of money. Well, why are we talking about it? Because now your business does not look valuable, and it's going to be a 10 times more difficult sale mm -hmm. than a business who is pay the owners are paying themselves, and um, the $0 cash flow is not a thing. They have wonderful margins. And, you know, if you want to sell and then continue working, that's great, happens all the time, mm -hmm. but you want to be paying yourself what you want the buyer to be paying you. So if you're only paying yourself $100,000 a year and you wanna sell, now you want the, the buyer to pay you $300,000 a year, that's going to be a problem because now it's taking away your cash flow again. Mm -hmm. So pay yourself what you would want the buyer to be paying you post-closing and don't run your bottom line because your business is not going to be worth anything. A lot of businesses go off of your bottom line. Of so uh, don't run your bottom line to zero just to save some money on your taxes. Those owner's draws say sound really sexy because you don't pay taxes on them, but like, they'll come, <laughs> they'll come back and bite you in the ass right, <laughs> right when you need it the most. So. Yeah, that's definitely something um, to think about. And, you know, for, for your listeners, Chrissy, you, you know, you have a ton of vendors veteran listeners um and that's very appealing for a lot of sellers it's just like purchasing a house right usually buyers send in letters if they really want the house and the seller can review them it's the same thing we're selling the business is a very emotional process and 99 percent of my clients want to sell to someone they like if they don't like you it's just a horrendous process and everybody's unhappy the entire time um, so they want to sell to someone that they like. And so really tell your story and explain why you want to purchase a business. And if it is your first business or if you own multiple companies, really explain that to your broker, to their broker, um, and so that they can relay that story and, and try to build that relationship for you. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you went into that because that, that was one of my questions I was going to ask you. I said, so when you're going to sell a business, what is your process that you go through? I mean, with your clients and with your, your buyers and your sellers, I mean, you gotta, you know, you're, you're, you're juggling, you're juggling. So like, how, like, how's that process? Like, how do you, how do you match up these marriages here? It's, um, gosh, it, there's a, it's a long, long process. I mean, even going to market, it's very time consuming because there's so many documents that you need and to really just verify things. And so once one of the initial questions for my, my sellers is, you know, who is your ideal buyer? Because that matters. Now I have bad sellers who say, I don't really care. But then when it comes down to it, and I have five buyers in front of them, all of a sudden they care. So it's, you know, it really, many sellers, many, many, many sellers like to sell to someone that they like just because it's their baby. They've spent decades of their life building something. Why would they want to sell it to someone who doesn't care about it? <clears throat> so equity groups and corporate groups don't get really the upside. They, so that's why they come in with so much money. So your biggest competition, right, is the corporate groups because they're going to come in with significantly more money than you ever could. Mm -hmm. um, but the sellers are so passionate about the business they've built and continuing their legacy that they usually sell to the little guys. Um, now, some do sell to corporate because the price tag is just enormous. Uh, but many times they sell to little guys. So the process, I mean, going to market, right, you go to market and then you get flooded with buyers. 
And then you're vetting the buyers and seeing who's really a fit, who's serious. A lot of people just like to waste time. I'm not sure why. Also haven't figured that out yet. Um, I don't know if they're, they maybe think they want to purchase a business, but they're not committed. Usually, I don't talk to buyers unless they're pre-qualified. If you're not pre-qualified, you're not serious. Because that is the longest process, and Chris can, can continue with that. It's a long process, so you better get, like, if you're serious, you'll already be qualified. If you're not, then go get qualified. You know, if you can't get qualified for lending, then that could be a problem. And if the owner is willing to do a seller carry, then that's great. Um, but we also do our own due diligence process. So if you're looking for businesses because you can't get qualified for an SBA loan, you're looking for businesses who are doing seller financing, there's still a due diligence process. If you have horrible credit and your debt-to-income ratio is out of control, you probably won't get the company. Um, and so being pre-qualified or speaking with lenders before is the best way to show the broker how serious you are. And that's how you're going to get through. Um, for every 100 buyers I talk to, for every single business I list, usually one only gets through to the seller. And they still don't even get to talk to them. Then it's like more conversations and more conversations. It's a big deal. It's a long process. Um, you could tell me on the call that you're going to pay $200,000 over to the asking price. Great. Let's see some paper. Like, you know, don't just be all talk. You need to have, I've had buyers send me their resumes, which is wonderful. I love seeing that. You have a resume, send me that. Uh, I would really rather see how much you're pre-qualified for. <laughs> um, but if you if you need to utilize a seller carry at that point, then come in with your resume and uh, show how serious you really are and that you're not just pulling the broker's leg because the broker will never respond to you. Uh, I try to respond to all of my buyers because that is important to me. Uh, but most brokers will just brush you under the rug and know you're not serious and stop wasting their time is usually how that'll go. So just be serious with, with whatever your tension, intentions are, just be serious and have the backup for it. Let me ask you a follow-up question to that because you're saying you want people to be pre-qualified uh, mm -hmm. before they come in, but now from a, banker, from a banker standpoint, I'm not going to get a letter of intent out to anybody until I've actually seen tax returns on the buyer, I've actually seen tax returns on the business and the year-to-date P&L and balance sheets. So is that something you would facilitate doing to help in the quote-unquote pre-qualifying process? Absolutely. I am happy to always give that out. If a buyer comes to me and says, look, my lender, which happens all the time, my lender needs to see the tax returns. Great, here they are. Let me send them to them. Um, and so always willing to do that. And that's someone you can tell who's serious. That's someone who's had those conversations. 80% of the buyers don't have anything set up. 80% of them, and it's because they're just pulling your leg or they think they're interested in, in purchasing. I, I'll never figure that out. I would love to ask them, but I think that would be rude. Um. I think sometimes, <laughs> you know, to be quite honest, I think just sometimes you know, there's so much that people don't know. You and I have the luxury of being in this industry. We've been in this industry for a long time. Well, mm -hmm. me, me longer than you because you're still not that old. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you, you've been in it neck deep since you're 18 years old. But you see, I think you're, you're, you're way more financially savvy. Of course, I am being in a business to where we, we have to understand people don't know what we know. You know mm -hmm. we're, that, that's why they're coming to us. They're the ex, we're the experts. Okay, so they're coming to us, asking us for you know the advice. Now going into, I'll I'll flip it back around again to where I'll talk to maybe some of your 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 listeners as well. Everything Sierra is saying, I agree with one hundred percent. And here's how you get married up to the business. 
it's got to be something. Yeah, you have to be passionate about it, you know, of course, because, you know, um, this is like I said, this is a you, you think it's going to be fun in games. You're like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love to cook. Therefore, I want to start a restaurant when you're, you know, turning 500 tables a night. That's not cooking. That's fucking grinding. Okay? <laughs> you know? So if you're not used to turning 500 tables a night. That you know, this isn't cooking for you know a family party here. This is a grind now. Okay, <laughs> you know, so it, it better be something you are one hundred and ten percent committed to. You know, because like I say, because there's no there's no timeouts. Okay, there's no you know, hey, I, I gotta hit the pause button here because once you're you're all in, you're all in. Okay, so that being said, um, that's one thing you gotta really get dialed in if you're gonna if you're gonna do this particular business you gotta have you better have some background in it as well and that's something we can do in your um that's something that we can do in your um your executive order your executive summary i was like at a loss for words there for a minute <laughs> your executive summary that's something that we can spell out because like i said I, I do this a lot where guys are like you know they're 11 bravo you know, they're, or they're infantry guys, right? And they're like, but they want to start a restaurant. They want to, you know, do this, which we can do this. We can make this happen, but we have to work on your executive summary and we have to, you know, just showcase the skills that we have for, you know, um, resource management and things like that, personnel management, all, all those kind of things. But at the same time, you got to start developing some kind of, you know, a lot of people, I think they say, okay, I want to start, you know, or I want, I want to buy a C store because I just see the cash because these things just are, are just, you know, cash cows or our laundromat. I want to start our laundromat because these things are cash cows. Okay, but what's your background in that? That's the, fir the first question I'm going to ask you as a lender. I hear, and I hear this a thousand times a day. Okay, I want to buy this business. It's a laundromat or it's a dry cleaner. It's that near, da, 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 da. Okay, the, the very first question I'm going to ask you is what is your background in this field? You're going to be like, um... Well, yeah. <laughs> so you better have done done your homework and done your research on you know or get, and get pretty familiar with that because I'm guaranteeing you right now. And any lender that's worth his salt, that's going to be the first question they're going to ask you. What is your background in this field? Well, in mine too, I would say that's one of my first questions, especially for my medical practices. Right now, everybody knows veterinary sales went crazy in 2020. So I have people calling me every single day who want to purchase a veterinary hospital. Well, um, it's not that easy, right? Like it, to, to purchase a veterinary hospital and run it successfully, one, veterinarians will run you over. They will run you over. Anybody in that industry will run you down if you don't understand the lingo. So like understand that coming into it because it's gonna make it a very, long and lengthy um, process if you don't understand the industry and buyers call me all the time saying oh I think I want to buy a business I'm just not sure what well this is worse than a marriage you're, you're right. purchasing a business um, and so I think you mentioned earlier startups you know 96% of businesses fail in the first five years 96% like that's just a horrific rate I mean that's horrible um, oh, that makes me want to throw up a little just because it's so rough. And so I fully support my buyers who are like, well, I think I want to do a startup instead. But this is what I do. Purchase an existing business. I can't, I mean, Chris, I'm not sure what you advise your clients. Um, I advise mine, of course, because it's what I do. I need to purchase the business. Of course. Of course you but do. But that's not a statistic that's made up. 96% of businesses fail within the first five years. Mm -hmm. That's rough. That's rough. Yeah, you have a 4% chance of making it. 4%. I mean, I'm sure 
you, you'll do it as a listener. I'm sure you, you got it in the bag. Um, but those are some tough odds to go against. And so if you can purchase a business that went through those first five years and went through the struggles and, and got through it, and now they're very well established, it's much easier to purchase that than doing a startup, in my opinion. Well, yeah, there, there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. There's there's two sides of the coin, right? So uh, if I think, yeah, like I said, you could start your own business, yeah, and you, you like I said, it's going to be a grind. It's seven days a week. It's, you know, 20-hour days. And if you're thinking it's not going to be, you think you're going to, like, work Monday through Thursday and golf on Fridays, you're, <laughs> you're flat-ass wrong, um, yeah. number one. But uh, be, buying a business, an existing business, like you said, has its benefits to where it has a track record. But at the same time, it also has some risk and some pitfalls because just because like that person who started that business was the drive. They were the passion. They were the th- and then when you come in, like even like I, I, I'll, I'll go back to restaurants because I don't know why I really do. But, you know, so somebody wants to buy a restaurant, an existing restaurant. OK, existing restaurants are up and running great. Or even if it's a, if it's an office firm. Okay, I'm gonna take over this office firm. I'm gonna take over this. I'm gonna take over this CPA firm. Okay, well, those people that work there, they're loyal to that person. They're loyal to the current owner, and they may say, "Hey, you know what? I don't know you. I don't like you. Whatever. I'm, I'm out. I'm gone." And then you're, mm-hmm. you're restaffing the whole place or whatever you know, what mm-hmm. I mean? or at least, or maybe some key or some key components of it. Or the clients may do the same thing. Like, no, I've had my money with so and so for, you know, 20 years. If they're retiring, there, then I'm, you know. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go, or, or you know, so there always could be that thing, you know what I mean? So there's there's good there's good and bad to both. I mean, yeah, like you were saying, there's they already have the track record, and they've gone through those those first five years of the grind, which is great. And if you can just you know uh, step in and then you know take over and then you know go go from there, not so much plug and play, but I mean you got to put your own brand on it. But at the same time, don't, you know, don't go in there and be like, oh, I'm the new sheriff in town. We're gonna completely change everything we've been doing for the last 15 years. Because everybody's going to be like, um, I'm out. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got to, you know, still make it yours and, you know, make it your brand and do your thing. But do that over time and be gradual about it. Or, like I said, yeah, there, there's a lot of risk to to the startup. But at the same time, you know, you're doing it. If if we can get you go, like I said, if you don't go Cortez on me and burn all your ships and, you know, bur- burn all the assets, you know, we can set it up to where it can be a phased-in thing. But, again... Like we say in the military, enjoy the suck because it's going to suck for a long ass time until it really gets up and running. There ain't going to be no cash cow tomorrow. Okay. So, no, no. Be prepared. And for even, that. even when you purchase, I mean, it's not, you're just not sitting back living luxurious life. You have to figure out what the heck is going on. Because there could be a and, lot of ugly that ain't showing yeah. up in them books. You show, you go in them books like, what? Why is my cost of goods so freaking high? Like, hold on a minute. Like, or, you know, where were they hiding the bodies here? Or where were they hiding the bodies there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's no matter what, business is difficult. I don't know anybody who has ever said business is easy. It's hard. And yeah. especially if you're a first timer, you don't understand. Like, you're always the the coin stops with you you're at 100%. the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. so when something's going wrong or let's say you're really short staffed and they're calling you yep. they're not calling anybody else but you better be able to drop what you're doing at any point and go run your business because that's just what it takes and the upsides are great you're going to have so much more freedom um, but you're also not because you didn't have to be ready for anything to happen anything at any time to happen and that's I think why a lot of business owners don't survive 
um, just because they're not willing to make that commitment. They want the nine to five job and right. go home and relax. This is not what it's like as a business owner. It's just not. Um, I think they're going to go out and lease that new Maserati and you know, mm-hmm. they're going to go to lunch and you know, everything like that. Like, oh, it's all good. It's all great. Yeah, but you know <laughs> that Maserati needs gas. It needs insurance. <laughs> <laughs> it needs oil changes, which aren't cheap. And <laughs> Yeah, there's there's just a ton to it. I mean, I'm I'm a business lover, so I, I definitely think it's possible. But I talk to people all the time where they just have no idea, and it's almost heartbreaking because they want to own a business, but then they're like, yeah, I just you can tell they don't know what they're talking about when they say I want a business, I want to own a business for more freedom. Yeah. Mm, that's not what's going to happen. Maybe eventually, maybe if you grind and build and prepare even when you do a transition you need to plan for a couple years of like in the mud with that staff there there will be staff turnover there will be client turnover it's just the way it is and so you have to be prepared for that and all of my sellers are more than willing to stay on to ensure a smooth transition because they do want the company to be successful Mm -hmm. they built it for decades so they want the buyer to be just as successful and more successful many of my sellers tell the buyers things that they should have done that they never did and so this new, young, fresh buyer is coming in and has so much potential. And it's it's great. You know, I think I think anybody could do business. You just have to be willing to commit and always be available. Yeah, like I said, I definitely agree with that. Because sometimes, you know, as the business owners, maybe as they get a little older, they get complacent. They're not as, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, they're not as cutting edge. You're not innovative. And you get some new blood in and, you know, they could really give it that shot in the arm and take it to a whole different level. You know, or where the you know, the current owner, like I said, they've been doing it a long time. They might have one foot in, but one foot on <laughs> on the boat, ready to go fishing. You know, kind of deal. So, uh, one thing that you touched on, which I think is very important, and I want to I want to reemphasize this when it comes to the business lending side of it. If you can get a key staff member, like let's say, or like I said, the, or the current owner, if you, they can you can hire if you can get them to like a contract where they're going to stay on for like maybe twelve months and pay them a certain salary. Uh, for that, for consulting, that's a big get. Absolutely. That's a big get on the lending side. We're gonna if we can see that because so where you maybe la- maybe lack some direct industry experience, that could be the get that gets you over the top, you know, because that you know you, you have that twelve months to you know have the current owner you know give you all the knowledge and you know and things like that and or and then having some make sure that you're uh, getting some key employees in place as well. Like hey, I'm staying. You know, the current office manager, get them signed to a contract where it's like, hey, you know what? My current officer's manager saying, so the day-to-day is not going to get it. There's not going to be a hiccup in the day-to-day because my current office manager is running it. My, or my current chef is staying on board. They're committed for the next couple years. So my head chef's not going anywhere. And the current owner staying out as a consultant, things like that. That's going to help us, uh, you know, get, get the ball over to end, the end zone. And like I said, almost all of my sellers are so committed to that and making sure that the buyer is successful. Um, And so it's just, it's important to them. Now, some have just gone too far and they're so tired, they want to retire and so usually it's only a few months. Yeah, but those are the ones who will also come in for free when you're really struggling. So, I mean, it it just kind of depends. They get bored out of retirement pretty quickly. So, yeah, but yeah, most of my sellers are so committed to ensuring the buyer is successful. Um, It's important to them. So, uh, what maybe you, what question might you have for me there, Sierra? Uh, what industry are you struggling lending on? 
good question. Um, gyms are always difficult, but not really, but they're, yeah, they're they're. You want to talk about that ninety four percent fail rate? Um, th that's one of them. Um, but I did get a gym, a startup gym in Tucson, done and open during COVID. Believe it or not, I got it done. But that was a lot. The this this uh, this lady did it right. She did it right, and she had some, you know, some uh, outside income. Her husband makes good money on the outside, and even during COVID, when she was, you know, she was training at different gyms, she got really innovative and did a lot of Zoom training and all kinds of cool stuff to keep the cash flow coming. She kept her, she kept her independent business running, and she was like, "Okay, I want to start my own gym," you know, and the cash flow worked, and she did it, and she got really innovative. It was really super cool. Um, but gyms, yeah, gyms are tough. Um, Restaurants, of course, are always high, you know, high, high. Mm -hmm. So restaurant, a lot of banks won't even look at a restaurant. They won't even look at a gym. Uh, for a while there, contractors were really taboo too. Uh, but now contractors are going like mad men, especially in this town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, maybe that's a, that's a little more open. Those were always the big three taboo was always restaurants, gyms, and contractors. Uh but I say I still think you're gonna have a little. I mean, you, you know, like I said, if you have some some background in this, you have some you know industry experience, and then you know some. Um, and, and it helps you, like I said. So if you're, let's say you have a spouse, you know, a significant other, you know, that is uh, does have some good outside income and can you know feed the kids and pay the mortgage until this gym gets up and running, and you have that background, you have the industry experience. Okay, that makes it a little more plausible. You know what I mean? So. Mm -hmm. That's okay. So I've never sold a gym, mostly because they just closed. Do you know the like average cash flow for a gym? Because I see gyms close like every day. I mean, it's common. And even before COVID, gyms closed all the time. And so, what is their cash flow? Do you know? There's no way to really quantify that. You know, what I mean, as far as like, oh, gyms make this and. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't think there's because every because every business is run so different. You know, I mean, you could have two, you could have two of the same gym or two of the same restaurants or just something like your cost of goods or some people like you know they run all their personal expenses through the business and all you know or, or some people won't and so there's really no way to. I, I personally, I personally, I don't know of any. Maybe if you talk to like a CPA, they they might kind of have a more of a general idea, but I, I I wouldn't have that off the top of my head. Like oh. Uh, gym is usually cash flow at X or... Uh, well, because restaurants, right, are about 10%. 10% or less is their typically their profit margin, and that's why restaurants are so difficult to lend on and many just close instead of being sold. And so if if gyms... And that's interesting because I know how much money I pay for gyms. Right. So, um, and I know how much money everybody else pays. So I would just love to know why gyms are failing so much. Um, and if it is... The owner, you know, if, if the owners are just really um, uh, lying on their CPAs to discount their taxes, or what is making them go under? I would love to know I, that. Because I, think, I think any business, I, I think any business, if you really think about it, whether it's a gym or whether it's a restaurant or whatever. So, like, let's say, for instance, somebody who's a great trainer, great personal trainer, okay, loves, <laughs> loves fitness, loves it. But they don't know the books. They don't know what it takes to keep, you know, they, oh, and they, so they, they'll bring somebody in that maybe that they, they trust to run the books, and they start skimming off the top. And, they're, you know, they're, so there's so many different variables, and, like, you know, that could be like a heavy cash business. So, of course, your CPA is like, oh, yeah, you know, you, know, you don't want to show that you make too much money. So, <laughs> you know, and the businesses run like crap. So, I, I again, I think that it's more of a um, – 
I wouldn't necessarily put it, you know, so much as the the gym, quote unquote, per se, but it's how you run a business just in general. Having, you know, you got to have, you got to be able to, you know, run the front end and the back end. You know, you, you know, like I said, a lot of people are, are great. Like I said, like let's just say, you know, say I'm a really good chef. Okay, I like to cook. Okay, so I want, so I get this idea in my head. I want to start a restaurant. Okay, you know, but said turning 500 tables a night is really hard work. Plus managing mm-hmm. the staff. Plus, hey, oh yeah, hey, the cost of cheese just went up because there was some big freaking freeze in Wisconsin, and half the cows are dead. So now your cost of goods just skyrocketed. So you know, I mean, so it's like, so there's all those different variables, and not everybody kind of plans for that and you know they're running like I said those really tight margins and maybe they're not mm-hmm. retaining enough earnings to say hey you know what what if the oven breaks down what if you know the staff walks out what like I said what if the cost of cheese goes through the roof like how how are we insulated for that how are we preparing for that so maybe that's kind of like the thing it's like hey you know what I'm a great trainer I want to be I want to train people I want people to be healthy hey do people are people as dedicated to this as you are you know, because your, your, your client's like, hey, you know, I'm going to go to on vacation for two weeks. I'm, you know, then I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to quit my membership because I gained 50 pounds. Or, or you know, you see mm-hmm. so there's, there's a lot of that involved as well. Or you got some, you know, super huge conglomerate gym just open up down the street for six bucks a month. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Which I'm, you know, I've been, because the, the, the bigger gyms, of course, don't close as often as the smaller ones. Um, but they do have so much. Uh, happening, but I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, they love what they do. So you have the artist. So the the small gym owner is an artist. Yeah. Um, they love their, they love sculpting bodies. And so True. maybe they lack the entrepreneur side and the manager side. And, you know, yeah. it, it takes all three. It really does. I could never run a business by myself because I would be on to the next so soon. Um, and I wouldn't stabilize like the manager would, and I wouldn't make it perfect like the artist would. And so maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. I would love to talk to a gym owner. So if you have any listeners that are gym owners, I would love to talk about your financials. <laughs> yeah. So give me a call. I would really love to talk. I'm just curious. I'm honestly curious how they do it, what's going wrong with the industry, because it, it's so many fail. And so why and how can we help and how we can prevent them from failing? You know what's funny? I mean, you kind of, and that, this is coming from like, now I've been working out since 13 years old. Okay. So I've been in around, in and around bodybuilding and powerlifting since I was 13 years old and I'm very old now. So I've been doing this a very long time. Uh, <laughs> and um, I think the one thing that I, it, since we're talking about gyms, and anybody out there saying about starting a gym, I see this every day, and it makes me, I want to start choking people. I swear to Christ, I want to kill them. They have these people that are extremely out of shape, that have no no basics, and they got them doing all these advanced workouts, jumping and throwing kettlebells around and doing stupid shit because they they saw it in a magazine. It's like, dude, you got to build a foundation. The basics aren't there. You got to get be brilliant at the basics, like my friend Moses Sanchez says. Be brilliant at the basics. Teach them the core fundamentals first before you got them doing rope crunches and crap like that. Like they don't have any foundation. You got to build their foundation before you get them doing freaking, you know, uh, you know, cleaning jerks. At the, at the, you know, it's like, are you kidding me right now? You think because that's a new trendy thing? Doing box jumps and shit like that. That's when I have all my my clients fifty pounds out of you know overweight and they're sixty. What are you doing, dude? Really, I mean, I want to literally walk up and slap the taste out of people's mouths when I see them doing that shit. But it makes me crazy. 
So I think that's a lot of reason why gyms fail. Because like I said, these trainers are in there training them like they're freaking, you know, like they're getting ready for the Olympia. It's like, dude, they don't even know how to do a push-up. What are you doing? You well, in your bodies, especially if you haven't worked out your whole life or if you really are out of shape, your body is like your temple. And so you have to be mindful of what's happening. And so to have a trainer who <laughs> will tear your body apart, oh, that's a bit scary. It's scary. I, um, would, I, well, I said, I've seen it once. I've seen it a thousand times. I remember one time I literally walked up to a trainer and embarrassed the crap. I was like, dude, stop. Just go, go away. Yeah, you're stealing it. I, 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 cause I just couldn't take it more. Like, you're gonna hurt this person. You're gonna get literally physically hurt if you keep having them do this. They don't have the core fundamental principles to get this job done. Walk away right now before I kick your ass in the parking lot. <laughs> like, and I was serious about it too. I was pissed. I was like, no, there's, I'm not allowing this. I don't care. They can kick me out of this gym. I could care less. But I'm, you know, the, the manager came up and thanked me. As a matter of fact. Because uh, like, yeah, you just saved me from getting sued by somebody. Like, yeah, hello. Uh, you may want to, you know, interview these trainers a little bit. Just saying. That's scary. That's really scary. And it's just it's put into business terms, right? If you threw someone into a business that's been operating for twenty years and they've never even looked at a financial statement, um, they're gonna the business is gonna crash and burn. It's gonna crash and burn. And so it's the same thing with your body. That's how I would look at that. Yeah, okay. Sorry I went off on a tangent there. I went off the rails. Like, That's okay. I'm very I'm very passionate about it. Like, yeah, I've been doing this a long time and I just like I can't I, I see it every day and it makes me just want to vomit. No, I think I think it's important. I uh you need to trust your trainer. And so maybe I don't know. I would love to really talk to a gym owner though. Like a small gym owner and and talk about their financials. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Hopefully, like I said they'll, they'll they'll listen to this show and they'll be like, you know what? I should really get with my CPA and my attorney and like, huh. kind, of go, kind, of go over, kind of go over this plan a little more because I was just like, I was like, hey, you know, I like wearing my, you know, cute little outfits and uh, walking around, you know, with my with my smoothies and everything. Yeah, and and really see your bottom. I'm I'm curious. I've never I've never even seen one for sale because they just don't really sell. The equipment can sell. Um, and so it's an asset sale, it's a straight asset sale, but for pennies no, I mean, dollar. yeah, yeah. So I guess for gym owners, if there's any gym owners or people who want to open a gym, we should really talk because it's, I want to know like your, your end goal. Cause if you are going to sell the business, I'm sorry, my dog is squeaking her toy. Um, if you are going to sell the business, will be, will we be able to, will, mm -hmm. will you have ran a successful business uh, and I guess the same thing with restaurants. I mean, if you have a restaurant that has liquor, then your sales are significantly higher and you have a much better profit margin than any other restaurant, mm -hmm. but still they're difficult to sell. They're difficult to sell. And so, yeah, anyways, that's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. Well, I said that's uh, <laughs> some food for thought for both sides, of, for, for both of your listeners and mine. They're, you know, thinking about getting an entity. Say, like, hey, I want to buy this restaurant. I want to buy this gym, or I want to start my own gym. They're like, uh, wow, I didn't really even consider that. So I think, I think even though we went off on a tangent and went off the rails a little bit, I think at the same time we gave a lot of people a good food for thought. Because this is the thing, like on my show, uh, what I want to do, I want to inspire veterans to to pursue their passions and start their own businesses. So if you do want to start a gym or you do want to start a restaurant, great. But I'm, you know, the name of the show is called Here's the Deal. 
because we we give it to you straight. You know, it's straight whiskey, no chaser. Like I'm not playing games here. I'm not gonna sit here and tell, blow sunshine up your ass and tell you, oh yeah, that's great. I'm like, um, okay, cool. You got passion for it, but here's here's here are the things you got to look out for. Da 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 da. And you know, kind of you make sure we're we're game planning for this thing. So, I, like I say, even though we went off the rails a little bit, I think it was a lot of good good intel for 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 uh, both audiences. I think. I think so too. And many people who want to start businesses, it usually is restaurants or the it's in the fitness industry. And so I guess my advice for that is yes, speak to your team, but also find someone who you admire who's running their business and ask if you can see their financials. It's a very personal question, but if you're very transparent about it and say, look, I'm thinking about starting this business, but I don't know. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Can you tell me about yours? I mean, can you tell me what your bottom line is? And if you're running your 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 uh, cash flow to the ground, I mean, People love the transparency, and I think you'll have a ton of people open up to you and tell you what is happening in their business, what they would do differently, what they wouldn't. And so try to put your ego aside and really listen before you start your business and turn into that 96% failure rate. Um, And really find someone you admire that's running a successful business and look at their financials and have them tell you everything they did right and wrong and learn from them and do that again and again and again and again. And that's how you'll be that 4% success rate. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I have one more question for you, uh, Sarah, if you don't mind. So can you explain the benefits maybe of leasing space and then um, also how do you like cause i know with like again with my clients uh like yeah, we're, we're looking at this as chess so we're looking at you know we're looking at you know moving in phases here so of course you know generally businesses start out leasing space of course at first but then i also i put i plant that seed in their head okay you're going to do this for a couple years but you want to make sure your books are tight you want to make sure your profit markets are good because like, in a couple years you're going to want to buy the real estate as opposed to lease it so that way you can you can have that legacy to where you can sell the operating company and you can still collect the lease as like your retirement income on top of the money that you get from the actual sale of the operating company. So that's the way I like to kind of set my clients up, you know, to have that. Again, I like to think three moves ahead. I play chess, so I want them to think of this as a chess game and as a chess board to position their power pieces in the middle and attack from there. So can you maybe explain the benefits of leasing and how you how you position your clients for the leases and then how you position your clients for the purchase? Yeah, so I, it, it really depends on the buyer. Uh, and, and most buyers come in with uh, their mind already set, whether they're going to lease or purchase. I can say my piece, but many times they come in set, they've decided, I would say probably 80% of my buyers want to purchase commercial real estate, which I fully support. I'm all for it. It is a safe place to put your money um, because even if your business crashes and burns, you have commercial real estate that you can sell. And so I like I like buying commercial real estate. Now, some people like to lease, and that's completely fine. Um, you know, with leasing, something I, I've seen a few times recently, and it crushes my soul, is, I just had a doctor purchase commercial real estate with only two years left on the tenant's lease. He purchased. So when you purchase commercial real estate, you go for what the lease is in place for. And the tenant was in that place, in that space for almost 30 years. And so with 3% annual increases, they were paying way above market. 
for their property. I mean, like, well, like almost triple above market. So I can wow. look at market comfort now for lease, and they're paying that. They they're in that three percent annual increase, and so my client that I just found out purchased this commercial real estate for what that lease was in place for, and he didn't have anybody representing him. So he purchased commercial real estate with with triple the market rate term in place and only two years left on that lease and now the tenants are vacating he'll never get that money back he'll never, never get never. that money back where we are now dropping the lease three times like it's painful and there's absolutely nothing i can do like <laughs> you i mean buyers or, or people who want to lease this space no market rates I mean, it, it's not easy, or I mean, it's not hard to find out. And so it crushed me when I found out, like, I have, my hands are tied. He purchased commercial real estate without any advisors in place. And if, if I even had a second to look at that and realize that there was only two years left on that lease, I never would have encouraged walk him to move away. Like, walk That's, away from it. I mean, with it, with that tenant that was in place for almost 30 years and those increases, oh, just kill me now. Right. So if you do purchase commercial real estate, even as an investment, I love it. Great. That's so great to hear you're doing it as an investment. But understand with those 3% annual increases or whatever increases are on the lease, if you don't have a 10-year lease in place, like... Well, like you probably shouldn't purchase it um, as an investment. Now, if you're the the it's if it's owner occupied, right? If you're going to be in this space, I think it's great to purchase commercial real estate, um, and then you can lease it out to the buyer if you want to, or you can sell it. Many of the times, my sellers are okay with either. Many of the times, they're okay with leasing it to the buyer, um, and then sometimes they'll sell it to an investor, or the lease or the buyer will purchase it. It really just depends um, on what the buyer wants. If the seller is like adamant about selling both, and the buyer doesn't want to then we sign a lease and sell to an investor. Mm -hmm. So there's both ways. So if you, you're not going to get really stuck with your commercial real estate um, because the buyer would come in, purchase your business, sign a lease, and we would immediately sell to an investor. And investors love that. Mm -hmm. uh, they, I have money being thrown at me all the time <laughs> from investors. So um, I think it's great. great to purchase. I mean, you can sign lease too. I fully support that. Just understand if you sign a lease, you know, it's, you can leave it any time, which is wonderful. Um, but I, I usually try to lean towards. If it was me, I would purchase. Well, you can't leave so. it any time. You gotta obviously honor the lease. But <laughs> right, so leases yeah. are like a mortgage. Leases are rough. Leases are rough to get out of, um, and always have. I guess another piece is you should, so you, many. You should have a. You should have a a, a representative right before you go before you go leasing a property. Okay, anywhere. I don't care. You know where the all locations. Right? That, that makes that doesn't mean crap. Okay, you got to have somebody representing you. If it's not going to be somebody like Sierra, you, you got to have a commercial a commercial representative representing you because the the the, the uh, person that's leasing the property, the landlord, they're going to have somebody representing them. And I guarantee you, like I said, I've seen this a hundred times too, where somebody's going to go lease a property, they're going to go lease this space. And the owner is trying to get the ten, the new the new tenant coming in to replace all the air conditioning or fix the plumbing mm -hmm. that's been jacked up for ten years, and this and that and the other. Where a good tenant rep who who's representing you as a person going into the lease, they're gonna point out all that stuff and they're gonna say, hey, no, 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 they're not doing this. You're gonna do this before they move in or whatever, whatever. Or they're gonna tell you 
walk. Don't <laughs> this guy's trying to pass off all his problems onto you. So and that happens like quite a bit. So that's one of those pitfalls of leasing a space. But yeah, it's convenient because of the fact that yeah, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a obviously when you're buying a piece of commercial real estate, it's a huge investment. You may not have the capital for it at, up front, but at the same time, yeah, when you get the, the second you get a chance to buy that real estate, by all means, I highly recommend it for sure. Well, and this is the last thing I want to say about that is um, the I have I have another client that I'm working on with uh, to to hopefully sell their business, and they've been in their space since early 2000s, uh, so almost 20 years. Uh, they've had the 3% annual increases. Now they're paying way above market, double above market. And um, that's unfortunate, you know, because they didn't have it. When you're out for a renewal, get a broker. You know, it's fine if you sign your lease before have a, having a broker. Um, I think it's silly because landlords are going to do, the, the brokers for the landlords are going to do anything they can to get oh, you yeah, to sign. Of course. Represent the landlords. They do not represent you no nope, matter what they say. Um, they don't care anything about you. They want to, to get a lease in place and, you know, service their client, which is the landlord. The landlord, not and, you. Um, yeah, so... So my client has never had a broker, and they're paying way above market. There's absolutely nothing we can do there in their lease. There is nothing we can do. There's nothing, just absolutely nothing. And thankfully, when the new buyer comes in, the lease will be up so that we can renegotiate the lease to market rates. But, I mean, what if what if none of that happens? They've been paying over market for years now. We're talking like... $20,000 a year over market. What could you do with that kind of money? Wow. You don't pay your broker. Representing the, the tenant, The you don't pay us. The landlord has to pay us. So that's, I would, and I'm fortunate to be with a company where we only represent one side, which is the tenant side. We do not represent landlords. And so just get a broker. Just get a broker. I mean, you don't have any, you don't even have to pay them most of the time. Like they're just here to save you money and be fair. Uh, the landlord's broker, you know, they they're just trying to service their client, which I support. Serve your client. That's what you're here for. Um, but let your broker serve you and not even have to pay the bill. Yikes! Sorry about yeah. that. The wire went haywire. That I apologize for that. Uh, no, <laughs> the wire is connected to my phone or doing the interview. I'm like, oh, just now I hit it and like, <laughs> so my, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with Sierra more. I said, if you, before you even think about leasing out a space, you better get somebody representing you because a landlord damn sure has somebody representing them. Like, says they ain't looking out for your cause. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, Sierra, do you have any more questions for me for your listeners? I don't. I think we gave them so much information. I hope they right? I know. I know. Yeah, we kind of we kind of went all over the place a little bit, but I think I like I said I told you we we're gonna have fun no matter what. So that's that's the that's the one thing. So uh, Sarah, why don't you go ahead and maybe uh, give your give everybody your uh, contact information if they want to uh, reach out to you? Yes, you guys. My phone number is six zero two three six three. 5832. My name is Sierra Wolf. I'm literally on every social media platform. So um, you can find me. It's not difficult. And Chris, you please do the same. Okay, so uh, here's the deal, <laughs> which we didn't get a chance to talk about. I think I might have sent you something. I'm in the middle of a transition. So right. I'm going to, I shouldn't really probably 
say this out loud at the moment, but I'm going to just say it anyway. I'm going to a different bank. My current bank doesn't know this yet. Uh, so <laughs> you're going to find out. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you can, you can reach me uh, at uh, 623-308-9732. And until I make that transition, I can always, you know, talk to you about, hey, you know, about the lending side. Because, you know, I where I'm going, you know, we're going to obviously, we're, we're doing SBA loans. We're doing seven A's and five O fours. Plus, I get to do deals all over the country, which is great. Um, so I'm, I'm loving that opportunity. Uh, so, yeah. So you can just reach me six two three three zero eight nine seven three two. I'm more than happy to talk to you about you know, hey, you know, I want you know, I want to do this deal, da da da. And I and I'll give you like I said, I'm gonna give it to you real, you know, and tell you, okay, here's what you got to do. Here's what we're gonna look for, so on, so on, because it's it's pretty general across the board on a lot of it. Some banks have some different variances on what they want to do. Maybe some, like I said, some industries they won't lend to, some things they won't do, or some they will. But if even if it's not something I'm going to be able to do at my new my new place, I I got I know everybody in this industry. I'll find a home for you, one way or the other. Or I'm going to tell you, hey, you're not ready yet, but here's what you need to do. Let's look at it a year or two down the road. I think that's awesome. I'm so glad we did this. It was so much fun. Right? Yeah, like I said, and it didn't turn out to be as. Uh, train wreck issues I <laughs> except for me hitting except for me hitting that wire there and getting all that feedback <laughs> oh, I think that was but like I said I knew it was going to be fun one way or the other and it was innovative I don't know of too many people that you know do dual interviews uh on shows so uh I think that was kind of cool that's right they don't yeah how many people do you know like you ever see you know two people like hey the and, you know, going banter, you know, asking questions back and forth, things like that. So I thought, I, you know, when we came up with this idea, I was like, that's going to be pretty cool, I think. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm, you know, because you, you had your podcast started before I did, but then you kind of took a little hiatus because you were moving. And stuff <laughs> and so I'm glad I was able to kind of give you the little nudge to get back out there and, and get it going. I'm so grateful. I'm really, really glad we did this. And it was completely your idea. So you're the innovative one. Well, maybe on maybe on this one, but like I said, obviously you, you, you put you put a lot of energy behind it, so it, it was definitely a team team effort for sure. Well, thank you. It was good speaking with you. Um, I'm excited to speak with your listeners, and I'm excited to speak to yours too. So let's uh, see what we do to keep this thing rolling. All right, thank you, Chris. I'll talk to you soon. All right, we're out. Bye. As always, here here's the deal. Uh, in closing, first of all, just like to uh, give thanks to my Lord Jesus Christ for um, blessing me with the ability to do this show and for uh, the forgiveness of my sins and just you know, everything that He's done for me over the years, as far as you know, saved my life <laughs> endless times uh, and the sacrifice He made for me. Also, gotta give a shout out to uh, my wife and my kids for supporting me in this new endeavor and the new directions we're going and all the support uh, that they provide, encouragement they provide for me. My boy uh, Mario, outside the wire, wire at Fallen 360, and his wife Crystal, like I said, give me the uh, kick in the ass I needed to get this thing going, help me out with uh, some equipment and get me squared away on stuff and just keep me motivated. Like I said, he's always going to be my partner in crime. As we always say here in the close, stay tuned, stay focused, stay motivated.